because that is what God does. When you reach out to him in faith, you repent of your sins, ask Jesus Christ to save you. He'll do it. He'll do it. You do that by faith. The toy store met last weekend. Thank you so much for your uh, dedicated giving and support to the Brunswick Baptist Association toy store, a ministry of churches in our association. And we gather up and we have the toy store at uh, different churches. Families are invited to come and they can buy gifts for their kids, pennies on the dollar, families in need. And they hear the gospel and they have spiritual counseling. So I'm delighted to, to let you know what God did. Uh, the toy store this year resulted in three first-time professions of faith, people trusting Christ as their Savior. Uh, Ninety-eight families shopped at the toy store uh, and were impacted with the gospel. 265 children were impacted with the gospel because of your faithfulness and because of the toy store. Uh, and many, many seeds were planted. Over 360 folks were impacted and touched and seeds for the gospel planted through the toy store. It's a great ministry. That's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is about Jesus. In fact, I want you to tuck something away this morning in the back of your mind. You're going to hear me say it over and over and over again today, but you've got to remember it. You've got to remember this. Christmas is not about Christmas. Christmas is about the cross. Christmas is about the cross. Right now, there's a bit of a controversy uh, I would say brewing, but in fact it's boiling, uh, in Dedham, Massachusetts. Uh, the good folks at Dedham, Massachusetts decided to remove the Christmas tree from the public library. Did that just a few weeks ago. No announcement to the public, uh, but, but those in charge of the library and the town said, we're just going to take the Christmas tree out. Now bear in mind, they left the menorah there. They left some other religious-themed symbols there in, in the library, and they left the wreaths the Christmas wreaths on the door, uh, evidently not realizing that the wreath is an explicitly Christian symbol of eternal life. Did you know that? Whereas the Christmas tree, you can call that a holiday tree if you like. Uh, go buy it at Walmart now. Everything's a holiday this and holiday lights and holiday trees. But they still see it as a Christmas tree, so they decided to remove it. Well, anyway, so the town gets a little bit anxious about that. Uh, not just Christians in the town, but, but a lot of people wondering, why in the world did they pick the Christmas tree, which has been a, a decades-old tradition to have the Christmas tree in the public library, they decide to remove that. But some Christians did complain on social media. And I read some of these posts. They were not vitriolic. They were not especially angry. They just questioned it. Why the Christmas tree? And why were we not? And then they kind of shared with how they felt about the Christmas tree. Well, the controversy's gone on. This started the first week of December, and the controversy continues. And a representative, now listen to this, of the Human Rights Commission of Greater Boston went online with a vitriolic, profanity-laced rant against Christians, against Christmas, and against God. She made fun of God. She made fun of Christians. She had, and, and you don't want to read it. The profanity was, ex, was extensive in her social media rant. Never apparently occurring to her the irony of her serving as a representative on, let's say it again, the Human Rights Commission. She no longer serves on the Human Rights Commission. Yeah. But here's the question. Why is it that Christmas 
is the particular dividing line. Why is it that Christmas is a problem? Well, the reason for that is because Christmas is not about Christmas. Christmas is about the cross. Whether we say it that way, whether the general public would, would agree with that or not, it's the spiritual truth. See, the problem people have is not with Christmas, it's not with you, it's not with me, it's with Jesus. Because when they're confronted with Christmas, they're confronted with the cross. And when they're confronted with the cross and Jesus Christ, they're confronted with the fact that we are sinners in need of a Savior. If you celebrate Christmas, you are admitting there was a reason for Christmas and the cross. And people don't like to admit that. But still we celebrate Christmas. Because Christmas is about the cross. If you have your Bible with you, find with me in your New Testament the letter of 1 John. It's way over toward the end of your New Testament. The letter of 1 John. Uh, while you're turning there, let me remind you, as named, the letter of 1 John was written by the Apostle John. Toward the end of his life, he wrote letters to Christians, that, and he served as a pastor at the end of his life, and he was writing letters from a pastoral perspective. And the letter of 1 John, by the way, uh, and I challenge you, go home this week and read the whole thing in one sitting, because the letter of 1 John is designed to answer a question that young believers were asking and still ask today, and often many seasoned believers ask, are there any indications to know whether or not you're actually saved? And that's what 1 John is addressing in the letter of 1 John with a resounding yes. In fact, he gives five specific ways. Your life should change if you're saved. John was the only uh, one of the 12 original apostles who died of old age. Uh, you may remember his story. At one time, the emperor Domitian uh, exiled John to the Isle of Patmos, and that was a favorite punishment of Domitian for Christians. He actually exiled one of his wives when she gave, came to faith in Christ. <laughs> he got rid of her too. Uh, John lived out some years on the Isle of Patmos. That's where he had the Revelation, which became the book of Revelation in our Bible. Interestingly, Domitian died before John. So then John returned to Asia Minor, to a place called Ephesus, and served out his years as a pastor there. So he has a pastor's heart for people. And one of the indicators he gives in the letter of 1 John of whether or not you're actually saved is whether or not you love one another. Uh, because Jesus gave this command, and John himself recorded it in his gospel, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Remember that? So John unpacks that in the letter of 1 John, and we're coming into his letter right when he has just talked about that, and he's laying the foundation, he's giving an understanding of why love and the expression of love is so important for believers, and that we can't get away from this. If we are believers, if we're followers of Christ, we love one another, and he's going to tell us why. Look at this with me, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. John says, the one who does not have love, here it is, does not know God because God is love. God's love was, uh, God's love was re revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. For us, Christmas is about a lot of different things. Christmas 
is about bows and packages, about trees and wreaths. It's about decorating. It's about taking down the decorations. It's about stringing lights. It's about deciding how many lights you're not going to string this year. Christmas is about a lot of things. It's about family. It's about you going to them, them coming to you, big meals, celebration, gifts for the kids, all kinds of things go in to Christmas. But in the Bible, we find that Christmas is one thing. Christmas is about the cross. It's not about Christmas. It's about the cross. Because the reason Jesus came at Bethlehem was Calvary and the cross of Christ. The reason that we have the manger is for the cross of Jesus Christ. And the reason Jesus came in the first place and the reason for the cross is because of God and his love for you and me. That's what Christmas is about. So it's as if John says, well, you can call it whatever you like, but, but this is Christmas. This is Christmas. And for a few minutes, we're going to unpack these short verses as we uh, make our way towards celebrating the Lord's Supper together this morning, celebrating the cross at Christmas. We'll do it again on Christmas Eve. Be here for that. We, we incorporate communion and carols and candlelight on Christmas Eve. But we need to do it this morning as well to, be, to remember that Christmas is not about Christmas. It's about the cross. There are three truths I want to bring home this morning for just a few minutes that come out of these verses of John. Now, first of all, God is love. John says it, God is love. Uh, in two other places, John phrases something just like this. You may remember this. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 4, he quotes Jesus, uh, who says, God is spirit. And that says something about the nature of God. Uh, uh, not just who God is, but what God is. God is spirit, Jesus says. Then earlier in 1 John, John says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. That is, God is perfect holiness, perfect understanding, perfect wisdom, perfect righteousness. In God, there is no darkness. And you and I can understand this because we experience darkness all the time. We experience unrighteousness, sin, devastation, all the effects of sin in our lives and in our world. God is not tainted by any of that. He is perfect righteousness. He is light. And when, when John says God is spirit, he speaks of the nature of God, who God is, and, and what God is. When he says God is light, he speaks of the character of God. And here he does the same thing. He says God is love. That's his nature. That's his character. That's, uh, that's who God is. And he can be none other. He can never not be love. It's kind of hard for us to grasp because we define love different ways. In the ancient world, especially among the Greeks, Love was considered an abstract idea, not a, not a concrete reality. Love was an abstract idea. It was something the philosophers talked about among the Greeks, but they didn't really understand it or know much about it. In our day and time, we think of love as an emotion. And it rises up in you, and that's how you know you're in love with someone, how you know that you love someone. And love in our culture is God. John says, God is love. Well, in our culture, love is God. And therefore, our own president stood up and said, anybody that feels love for anybody else should be able to marry them. Because love is God. Love is king. Love rules. So what if they feel different next year? Love is God in our culture. But in a biblical worldview, love is defined by God who himself is love. 
How do we get our minds around that? Well, to be honest with you, there's not a way to totally get our minds around this idea that God is love. And he, because he's love, any action he takes is always a loving action, but he himself is love. To say God is not love would be to say there's a river, but it has no water. It's not possible. The sun never shines. It's the sun, but it doesn't shine. No, we understand. In order for the sun to be the sun, the sun must shine. It must have light. In a similar way, God is love. That, that's his nature. So then John moves on, though, and he says, now, here's the good news. Whether you understand fully that God is love, listen to this, God loves you. God loves you. And God's love for you is not contingent on how you, who you are, how good you are, or even how well you love him back. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us. For all of us who try so hard to, to show God how perfect we are, God already knows we're not perfect. To, to show God how good we are, God already knows we're not that good. But his love doesn't hinge on that. His love hinges on his character, that he is love and he can do nothing but love you. God loves you. When we look at our circumstances sometimes, we, we wonder, does God love me? There's some bad things happening in the world. There's some bad things happening in our lives. Maybe you've suffered grief, suffered loss, suffered pain. You're struggling with some things right now. And you wonder, God, would this be happening to me if you love me? Let me answer that question this way. Can you imagine how John the Apostle, being an apostle of Jesus, he walked with Jesus three and a half years. He, was one of, he his brother James, and Peter were the best friends of the Lord himself when he was incarnate on planet Earth. And yet, John gets exiled to Patmos. With the assumption being that the emperor thought John would just suffer and die there. He'd live out his years unable to make any impact whatsoever on Christians. He'd be cut off and isolated and die a lonely man on Patmos. Don't you wonder if John one day occasionally woke up and thought to himself, God, if you love me, why is this happening? Am I not good enough for you? Jesus is my best friend on earth, and he's my Lord and Savior and glory. I knew him well. I've walked with you. I've been faithful. Why am I here? Why am I here? And John answers that the same way you and I must answer the same question. When your finances tank, when your heart is broken, when your relationships are failing or falling apart when you're, you have no answer for the way your kids are behaving, when you're suffering from sickness and heartache, stress during this year when the farthest thing from your mind is the joy of Christmas and you wonder, God, why am I exiled here? Why am I suffering on Patmos? All I've done is try to be faithful to you. We answer it the same way John answers it the same way every Christian in history has answered the same question. Here it is, the third one. God gave Jesus. God gave Jesus. God doesn't love you because you're good enough to be loved. God just loves because that's who he is, and he demonstrated his love. So the difference between love as an abstract idea or love as a feeling and Christian love, God's style of love, is that God shows it. And it's unconditional for every human being. God cannot not love you because he is love. And he's forever demonstrated this by sending his son, Jesus Christ. 
And John puts it this way, as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. What does that mean? It means Jesus came to Bethlehem, lived as a child, grew as a man, walked the earth without ever sinning, ever committing any disobedience against God, so that he could die on the cross for you, in place of you, as an atonement for your sin, to pay the price for your sin. And then God raised him from the grave, so he's alive today. Why would he do that? Well, he did it because he loves you, and he loves me. He always has, and he always will. And his love toward us doesn't consist in what we do to love him. It's good that you do that, and Jesus told us how to love him. Did you know that? Jesus told you explicitly, believers in Christ, he said, here's how you love me. Do what I command. That's what he said. Pretty simple. Know the word of God and do what the word of God says, and that's how you love Jesus back. But his love for you doesn't hinge on that. He, he just loves you. And anytime you wonder about that, don't look at the world, don't look at the circumstances, don't look at what's going on around you. Look at Bethlehem and then look at Calvary. Look at the cross of Jesus Christ, John says. And the Bible bears this out. Paul says it this way. God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. You might say, maybe his first readers paused and said, in what? How did he do it? And notice the word demonstrate. He, he, he displayed it. He acted it out. God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christmas isn't about Christmas. It's about the cross. It's about a pure and perfect, loving God coming into the world, living a sinless life, and dying on the cross for you. So that when the time came, you realized your sin and what he had done for you. When the time came that you called out to your Savior, when the time came you confessed and repented of your sins, you would find that he had already died on the cross for you before you ever even knew you needed a Savior. He had already done for you what you could not do for yourself. That's who he is. And that's his love toward you. Remember that this Christmas. When you look at your nativity at home, and I love nativity scenes, when you look at that nativity and that little baby Jesus in there, remember that Christmas is not about Christmas. It's about what? It's about the cross. It's about the cross of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you and for me. <clears throat> in the 1980s, northern Japan suffered a tremendous blizzard. Uh, they often have large snowstorms up there, but this was a, a terrible blizzard. lasted four days. Lots of people snowed in. Uh, and after the snow had, had stopped and the, and the crews had come in and started clearing the roads, uh, a young mom, 37 year old, years old, decided to go out with her daughter, her uh, school-aged daughter, uh, run some errands that day. The husband had already left and gone to work. So she and her daughter come out, and in order to be able to get out of the house and get going, she had to clear some more snow. So she was out at her house in these, these huge mounds and walls of snow trying to clear away, and she heard a, a rumbling, as her daughter would later say, and the snow slid from the roof and all around them and buried them suddenly. The husband came home that evening. He couldn't find his wife and daughter. He got worried. Uh, so we called the authorities and they set out a search party because they knew in this kind of storm, a person that went out, he, he just figured they went somewhere and they got lost and they hadn't made it back. 
So, so they went out and they're looking and they couldn't find them, couldn't find them, couldn't find them. And road crews the next day were still clearing snow. And as they came to their house and were clearing snow at the house, they heard a noise. And they stopped all the equipment and they stopped all the clearing and they paused and they listened. And it was a soft whimpering noise from somewhere under the snow. So they went there and they aggressively cleared snow as fast as they could. And they found the body of this young mom frozen, embracing her daughter. Because as the snow fell, her love was so great, she immediately and instinctively wrapped herself around her daughter and saved her daughter's life. And her daughter, the next day, was still alive under the snow because she was under the body of her mother who had given her life for her. Love is demonstrated toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you reflect on anything this Christmas, reflect on this. God is love. God loves you. God gave Jesus because Christmas is not about Christmas. It's about the cross.